If this is your first time or your second time here, I want to very plainly state our philosophy on preaching. We do this quite often, but today is, there's a reason. <clears throat> we believe in the sequential preaching of God's word. Now, that doesn't mean that if other churches don't do it this way that we think they're wrong. This is just the way we believe in it. We begin preaching through a book of the Bible, and then we preach through that book. Um, now, sometimes if we take a big, big book of the Bible, we may split that up, and we may do a series over the first 10 chapters or the first however many chapters. But our philosophy is the next verse and then the next chapter. You say, Josh, why would we do that? Well, <clears throat> I could very easily get up here and preach to you about the 7 to 10 topics that I'm passionate about in God's Word. Seven to ten things. And I could repackage it, and I could rebrand it, and I could pull from this little verse over here and from this little verse over there, and I could put together something where you might leave here going, oh man, that was good. But the problem is, we're a family, and the problem is, ten years from now, you're going to say, you know, if I really look back over the last ten years, I feel like I've just heard the same thing about the same five, seven, ten things repackaged for the last ten years. We've been instructed to teach the whole counsel of God. And so some Sundays, <clears throat> that means we open God's word and we preach about his love and his mercy and his grace and how much he cares for us and loves for us. And it's an amen, awesome. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. And we've done a lot of that in the book of Mark. <clears throat> Today's text is not so. If we're going to be true to God's word, we must understand that there are texts that we come to <clears throat> that make us pause. And today is one of those texts. Today, we're going to be in Mark chapter 9. If you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles, or if you have an app, you can open up on your app, uh, Mark chapter 9. But the title today is simply this, a strict warning to spiritual leaders. A strict warning to spiritual leaders, don't you think for a second today that as I prepared this lesson, this lesson, this sermon, boys and girls, um, <clears throat> as I prepared this sermon, that God didn't arrest my heart. Um, as I looked in his word this week, and as I prepared what he had for our church, <clears throat> it was met with long time, long instances of prayer and making sure that we are where we need to be. There are a few times in scripture where God makes it clear that he's giving a very important warning. <clears throat> Today's text is one of those. Sermons like these are never easy. As I mentioned in the beginning of Mark, we have gone through a lot of awesome miracles. But I did warn you that beginning the end of chapter 8 and the beginning of chapter 9, there was a shift in the book of Mark. <clears throat> I warned you that we would deal with important but difficult topics, and today is one of those topics. When God made it clear to me that he wanted me to serve him in full-time ministry, I did not, I grasped some things, but one of the main things that I did not and could not grasp was the level of pressure and the expectation that was placed on my life to fulfill this calling, the pressure. Spiritual leadership is unlike any other leadership. There are certainly some 
inexplicable highs that spiritual leaders can experience, but there is intense spiritual pressure unlike anything that I've ever experienced. Many a good man and a good woman has fallen as a spiritual leader, and oftentimes the word pressure is what they point at as what finally did them in. I just could not handle the pressure. I strive to lead our church as an elder in our church in a healthy manner. I strive to put leaders around me, our elders in our church, that can lead in a a healthy manner. I try to place people in other leadership uh, capacities within our church family that can lead with healthy leadership. And today, Jesus acknowledges the importance of healthy spiritual leadership. He gives a strict warning to those of us who lead spiritually. And may I say, if you are here today and you are not currently leading spiritually, I pray that God would use this message and this text of scripture to give you a greater understanding of the pressure that spiritual leaders face in your life. I pray that you leave with a greater appreciation for those who lead in a spiritual, spiritually healthy way. And for those of you who are spiritual leaders here this morning in whatever capacity, and may I say this, I feel as if we all are spiritual leaders whether we want to be or not. <clears throat> there is someone looking at us. We have influence over somebody. We may not even realize it, recognize it, or acknowledge it, but we do. But I say here today, if you are a spiritual leader, I honestly pray that you leave today feeling challenged from God's word. I pray that the text fully conveys the priority that Jesus places on being the leaders that he has called us to be. Whether it be just in your home, whether it be here in our church, whether it be in the community, whether it be at your job, whatever it may be. With that being said, can we pray together, and then we're going to dive straight into our text, Mark chapter 9, and we're going to begin in verse 42. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, take my words this morning. May they be very clear. God, may I not deviate from preparation this morning. Holy Spirit, may uh, the hearer not only hear the words this morning, but may they sense my heart this morning. From our text. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 42 of Mark in the ninth chapter. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. God loves you and his mercy and grace is always there. But every now and then, I'm going to reread the verse. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. That's a red letter word of Jesus. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into the life into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched verse 45 
If your foot causes you to sin, by the way, there are some Bible versions where that last portion is removed, and that's okay. Verse 45, if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched once again. Verse 47, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. The joys of pastoring and preaching God's word, right? Anybody, Jeff, you want to take it, man? Come on. <laughs> Jeff, like, yeah, sure, man. I'll take it. Jeff doesn't mind the difficult passages. We've handed them to him for the last four years. If there's a tough one, I'm like, here you go, Jeff. <laughs> no. Um, this is tough. It's a tough passage. I made sure that I texted both Aaron and Jeff this week of a statement that I'm going to make at the conclusion of our message today that I believe is very important. I want us to see three truths from this text this morning. I don't want us to pay attention. Number one, I want us to see the responsibility to be a healthy leader. The responsibility to be a healthy leader but whoever, verse 42, causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Remember the context. We don't just isolate a text. We always look at the context. Remember the context. Jesus is continuing his counsel of the disciples. Remember, this all started with them debating who is the greatest. This is still in that same context. Jesus has taken the majority of this chapter to instruct the disciples on being humble with their ministry responsibility. And then Jesus takes a very serious turn right here in verse 42. We can obviously tell that by the language that, that is used in this text that if you mess this up, if you get this wrong, Jesus says, it would be better if you died a slow painful death. A millstone, an anchor were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea to drown. That's, that's, a, that's a very strict warning. What could be so wrong that Jesus would verbalize such severe consequences? In verse 37 of this chapter, in chapter 9, just five verses back, Jesus has already told his disciples of his love and his care for the children. Verse 37, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And Jesus says here that we are to lead the little ones in a pure, loving and healthy manner. He gives a strict warning to spiritual leaders about causing little ones to stumble, about offending little ones, about abusing little ones, 
physically, spiritually, emotionally, sexually. That phrase, cause a little one to stumble, to cause to stumble, literally means this, to put a stumbling block or an impediment in the way upon which another may trip or fall. To offend. To entice to sin. And I want you to listen to this. This is a part of what cause to stumble means. To cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. Think about Jesus as a spiritual leader. If we cause someone to begin to distrust and desert Jesus, whom he or she ought to trust and obey, we have caused them to stumble. We have enticed them to sin. We have offended one. We have put a stumbling block or an impediment in their way upon which they may trip and fall. And a surface reading of this verse directly lends itself to a warning to lead children well. And certainly that is the case. In fact, I'm going to make a statement at the end of this sermon that will directly address our stance as it relates to the abuse of children. But a deeper dive into the meaning of little ones in verse 42, that word in the original is different than in verse 37. In verse 37 about little children, that is specifically speaking of like little kids. But here in verse 42, there's a broader context. It speaks not only to less by birth, younger, but it also speaks to briefer in time, as in less experienced, more inexperienced. And so the broader context for this verse in spiritual leadership is this. God does not just want you to lead children in a healthy manner. He wants you to lead anyone and everyone who falls under your leadership influence in a healthy manner. And spiritual leaders, he gives us a strict warning. He gives us a strict warning if you do not lead well and you're the cause of someone to sin or to stumble or to take offense. If it's your fault, there will be consequences, Jesus says. Don't cause any of them to stumble. Don't entice any of them to sin. Don't offend any of them. Don't cause any of them to distrust the one, Jesus, that they ought to trust. If you lead at Keystone Church in any capacity, please know that Jesus takes spiritual leadership. He takes it seriously. And we are not to be a a stumbling block on anyone's spiritual journey. We are not to offend the little ones. We are not to offend those who have maybe been following Jesus briefer in time. That's literally what it means. We are to lead not only those little children and those students that are under the age of 18 well, but we as spiritual leaders and you as a spiritual leader are to lead anyone that you have spiritual influence over, you are to lead them in a healthy 
manner. And I don't know about you, but oftentimes I looked at this text and I simply took it as make sure your children's ministry and your student ministry is above board. Make sure you have things set in place so as not to offend those that are 18 years old and under. But a true contextual look at this passage is Jesus saying, hey, if you're going to lead, anyone that falls under your, inner, your influence, anyone that would look to you as a seasoned believer, you must lead well. You must lead in a healthy manner. And folks, this is a serious topic this morning that I take ex extremely seriously in my personal life. But we can only lead others in a healthy manner if, number two, this morning, the responsibility to be a holy leader. Can we read the text together? It's kind of odd, but that's okay. Let's look at the text. Look at Mark chapter 9 and verse 43. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot, if it causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter, enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast in the hellfire where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. This text speaks to the willingness to remove things from our lives that are causing us to fail in leadership. I'm going to repeat that. Everybody that would lead spiritually, whether you're just a leader of your home spiritually, a husband or a wife or a mom or a dad, or whether you have a small sphere, whether you're a single adult here and you have a small sphere of influence with others, and by the way, you do. May I say that this text speaks to the willingness to remove things from our lives that are causing us to fail in our leadership. Jesus is telling his disciples this. Maybe this is something you can write down and remember. You cannot be a healthy leader if you are not a holy leader. Listen to the statement this morning. You cannot be a healthy leader if you are not a holy leader. That's a convicting statement. But may I say we cannot expect ourselves to lead other people into spiritual health if we ourselves are not spiritually healthy. And spiritual health comes from a life of holiness. We cannot expect others that are following our lead to be spiritually healthy if we as leaders are not spiritually healthy ourselves. And we become spiritually healthy by removing things in our lives that are preventing us from being spiritually healthy. I become physically healthy by removing things from my life that is causing me to be physically unhealthy. I've got a long list of them. Everybody knows that if you're trying to get more physically healthy, there are some things that you've got to remove. There are also some things that you need to add, by the way. But there are things that you need to remove from your life. We're addicted to sugar. We're all addicted to sugar. Lord have mercy, I've tried to cut sugar out the last three weeks. I'm about to, I don't even know what to do with myself. 
But disclaimer, this does not state that we are to be perfect, sinless leaders. It simply states that we should be willing to remove some things from our lives that are causing us to be unhealthy spiritual leaders. That is what it's saying. Listen, I stand before you, and I hope if you've been here any, any amount of time, that you sense the fact that as the lead pastor of this church, that I stand before you, an imperfect person. I tell you, if you're looking for a perfect church, you've not found it. You need to keep looking. If you're looking for a church with a perfect pastor, this ain't it. Move on down the road. I can tell you a bunch of churches with pastors that are better than me. Okay, so, so we're, I hope you understand my heart here. I'm not calling for perfection. And, by, and the Bible here is not calling for perfection. It is simply causing, calling for a willingness to remove things from our lives that are causing us to be unhealthy spiritual leaders. And by the way, in case you were wondering, Jesus is not literally calling for bodily mutilation here, lest you go home and remove a foot. Okay, please don't do that. Okay, don't do that. The hand, the foot, and the eye encompasses the totality of life. Can we look at it contextually here? Jesus is saying uh, what we do, our hands. Where we go, our feet. What we look at, our eyes. Jesus is saying that we should be willing to adjust or remove things that we are doing places we are going, and things that we are looking at and seeing in order to influence and lead the little ones, those under our spiritual influence, well. Jesus says if you're going to be a healthy spiritual leader, you ought to be willing to remove some things that you're doing, some places that you're going, and some things that you're seeing in order to be a, the most healthy spiritual leader that you could possibly be. So I ask you, spiritual leader, I ask you, lead pastor, is there something that you are doing? Is there somewhere you are going? Is there something you are looking at that is preventing you from being a holy and healthy leader? This is heavy. How serious is it? How heavy is it? If we can't get this right and we wind up offending someone that we have influence, spiritual influence over, then it would be better, Jesus says, that we die a slow, painful death than to face the consequences of leading in an unhealthy way, of leading in an unholy way. You say, man, Josh, like, I didn't think I was going to hear this today when I came to church. Well, honestly, I didn't think when we started the church that I was going to have to preach stuff like this, and then I remember that it's in the Bible. And so we're going to preach it. We've already seen this morning the responsibility to be a healthy leader. We've seen the responsibility to be a holy leader. And lastly, I want us to see the responsibility to be an effective leader, an effective leader. Everyone will be seasoned with fire. Every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good. But if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves in peace with one another. Salt is essential for life. In fact, there was an old Jewish saying that said the world cannot survive without salt. We don't think about that. That's one of those things that we don't necessarily think about, but there's so many things. Salt is 
a part of. Salt gives flavor. It wakes things up that need waking up. It preserves. It melts things that were once frozen. There are many things that salt does, practically speaking, in our daily lives. It is an effective element of nature. And this is how Jesus applies this. You want to be purposeful. You want to be an effective, healthy leader then you are as salt, I'm sorry, if you lose your effectiveness and you lose your purpose as a leader, then you are as salt which has no flavor. In other words, we've become useless. Useless. Today's text is all about being an effective, non-abusive, holy, spiritual leader. A, a leader seasoned with salt as our speech is supposed to be. Effective, purposeful, waking things up, breathing life into something. But this morning, an unhealthy leader will be useless, ineffective for the cause of Jesus Christ. If God has allowed you to have spiritual influence in the lives of others, why would you not want to be as effective of a leader as possible? And this morning, may I challenge us to lead with purity, to lead with sincerity, to lead with holiness, to lead with grace, to lead in a biblical manner, let us lead with the spiritual lives of those we influence at stake this morning. Because it's that important. God, this morning, I just, bare bones, I just want to be an effective, healthy, spiritual leader. That's it. I don't, our church doesn't have to multiply and multiply multiple times over in number. No, I just want our young church to be healthy. I want people to come and find Jesus here. I want people to come and after they found Jesus here, I want them to keep finding Jesus throughout the gospel as they continue to walk and sanctify and sanctify and sanctify. I want people to find spiritual health here. And they're not going to find spiritual health here if we don't have spiritual leaders who are committed to holiness and effectiveness. As we lead spiritually. God tells us if we want to be an effective spiritual leader. He says keep yourselves holy. Remove the things that hinder your holiness. Don't you dare cause a little one to stumble. Don't entice to sin or offend anyone who looks to you. For spiritual leadership. And if you're here for the first time, it's not always like this. I hope you can appreciate the commitment to God's word. And by way of conclusion this morning, may I say that there are many things that the church, and I use that word in a general sense, the church has gotten right and continues to get right. You're not looking at a pastor who thinks that the church is wrong. And is, and is looking for ways to completely dismantle the church. I want to champion the church and the local churches who do the right things and who get things right. And I don't want to overlook those. However, I think we all know of instances where the church has not gotten that right. When we think of healthy leadership, holy leadership, 
effective leadership, when we think of our leading of the little ones. Unfortunately, there are some local churches who have mishandled healthy leadership, especially of children. By children here, I'm referencing those under the age of 18 or what we would say here in our culture as adulthood. This would include our student ministry, which Pastor Jeff leads, our uh, kids ministry that Pastor Aaron, who's in there with them this morning, leads. There have been many churches who have been faced with allegations and possible scandal who have not responded in what I would consider to be a holy and a biblical manner. By God's grace, in the four years of our church's existence, we have not had one allegation or even a whisper of criticism about the manner in which we lead those in our kids' ministry and student ministry. Just a couple of months ago, our student pastor and elder, uh, Pastor Jeff, shared his heart behind leading our students with holiness and spiritual health. He spoke of his own experiences as a child and his commitment to leading our students properly. And I I appreciate you being willing to do that, Jeff. Aaron Conley, our children's pastor and elder, has placed numerous safeguards around himself and all of our kids' ministry volunteers. This is primarily to protect our children, children and also to protect the reputation of our volunteers. And I hope that all of you who serve in any of our ministries, ministering to those under the age of 18, appreciate that. I hope if you're a parent in here today, who you bring your child and you drop them off into their, uh, their children's environment or you bring them at 5 o'clock this afternoon to the, to the student ministry that you feel like you could drop your, your kid off and there's a peace there, there's a comfort level there and that's what we strive for. <clears throat> With that said, I want to very plainly and clearly make an important statement this morning and this is officially a statement on the abuse of children. Um, I believe that when we preach through the Bible when we are given these texts that we need to deal with them. They say the church never talks about fill in the blank, right? Well, you never talk about this or that. Well, when the Bible talks about it, we're going to talk about it. So the Bible talked about it. So let's talk about it. As awkward as it may be. Our statement on the abuse of children, Keystone Church stands 100% against the spiritual abuse physical abuse, emotional abuse, and sexual abuse of children. Any act that would cause offense to a child is reprehensible and will not be tolerated. This includes, but is not limited to, the following. Sexual misconduct with an underage person, suggestive or inappropriate communication with an underage person via text message or social social media messaging, manipulation sexually or spiritually, that would groom an underage person for further abuse. Laying hands on an underage person in any sort of an inappropriate manner. And very importantly, joking or making light of any of these previously mentioned acts. God takes this seriously and we take this seriously. Any and all allegations of misconduct will be taken seriously and handled with the proper authorities involved. There will be no sweeping it under the rug. There will be no protecting the name of the church. Victims and potential victims will be heard and will be supported. Any leader who has been accused will be removed from his or her active role and would be reinstated only after deemed innocent by the legal system and after the leadership of Keystone Church felt it appropriate. 
We currently have the current, these current guardrails in place for the safety and protection of our children. A comprehensive database which allows us to keep accurate information and records. A check-in system for Sunday Keystone Kids environments which ensures that parents are aware and they interact with the volunteers who will be serving their children. No Keystone Kids or student ministry volunteer is to be in the bathroom with a child. Any bathroom issues will be made known to the parent for their assistance. No Keystone Kids or student ministry volunteer is to ever be alone in a room with an underage person of the opposite sex. Keystone Kids and student ministry volunteers are to make every effort to not be in a room with an underage person of the same sex. We understand that there's some give and take there. We think that's a logical statement. All Keystone Kids and student ministry volunteers are to have passed a background check in order to serve in their respective ministries. Any overnight trips organized by our ministry are taken with extreme caution, especially as it relates to hotel room and sleeping accommodations. And I want everyone to understand this and listen to this final one. Keystone Church reserves the right to not utilize a willing volunteer simply due to a gut feeling or spirit-led wisdom. I want everybody to understand that one as well. There's some sick people that can pack a back, pass a background check. Sorry to get all up in everybody's business this morning, but hey. Those are what we currently have in place, and I hope that you can appreciate that. We seek to implement the following things, and this is not an exhaustive list. There's only two things on this list, but two things that we want to implement. Professional training for our volunteers in identifying abusive situations and proper response to various issues that may arise as it deals with this. And then security cameras to be installed in all of our Keystone Kids and student ministry environments. <clears throat> I hope that you grasp the fact that we take this specific area of our leadership and influence, we take it very seriously. I hope that as you invite young families to our church who may have uh, teenagers, they may have younger children, that you can do so with confidence, that you can do so knowing that you are inviting your friends or your relatives or your neighbors to a church that, hey, we're not perfect, definitely not the best preacher in town, got a lot of flaws, but they're going to do everything in the world they can do to take care and protect your child. You say, Josh, the church doesn't talk enough on that. You, you may be right. This is the first time in four years that we've really talked about it. It is because that we've not necessarily gotten to it in a text, but we did today. And my prayer is this. My prayer is that every teenager that's in this room right now today grows up to love Jesus, grows up to serve Jesus. And when they hear people talking about these negative and bad and terrible abusive experiences that they faced in church growing up as a child, they can look at their friends and go, I didn't experience anything like that. I can sympathize with you, but I can't empathize with you. Because we ran things a certain way. I pray that every kid who's now currently in one of our kids' environments will grow up to love and serve Jesus. 
And by the way, there was, a, there was a word that we used here. It's not just sexual abuse. It's not just physical abuse. Listen, we're a church that's committed to not bringing up upon spiritual abuse. And that is done in very, very manipulative and subtle ways. We're committed to that. You hear that? I'm committed to every one of those kids right there. Without fear, without being jaded, I pray they grow up to love Jesus. A little girl comes up to me today, Pastor Josh, I asked Jesus to come into my heart this week. She was so excited. And just the joy. By God's grace, we're going to be a church who leads in a healthy manner. And if not, I promise you this. If I know that I'm, I've just made a decision that I'm not going to be a healthy leader, you know what I'll do? I'll have the, I will have the, the, the honesty, the intellectual honesty to look you in the eye and tell you that and say, you know what, I need to step aside. I don't understand it. I have pastor friends who fall sexually and one recently been in sexual sin for five plus years and I think, man, just walk up on a Sunday and resign. Why do you do it under the guise of spiritual leadership? I can promise you, by God's grace, that we're going to be a healthy, a healthy led church. And if not, we're going to be honest about it. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.